Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the tragic wages of sin. God declares the Spirit will not always strive with man. In verse 3 and verse 5, God declared that He saw how great the wickedness of man was upon the earth. And the intent of his thoughts of his heart were evil continually, literally every day, every day. And so God declares his sorrow, having created man in verse 6 and 7. And his grief of heart, now he would destroy both man and beast. The line had been drawn. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's no argument, knowledge is power, but we also know that power corrupts, and no matter how advanced man becomes, sin seems to advance proportionally as well. Today, as we look at the book of Genesis, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the days of Noah to teach us how we can avoid the pitfalls of blatant sin. Let's join him for today's revealing message, A Ray of Hope, Noah. More than 2,000 years ago before Christ, the Egyptians and the Chaldeans constructed cities with great buildings, artistic sculptures, and active industry. Mathematics, law, and government were carefully studied and systematized. A great skill was developed in the arts, arts of weaving, um, metalworking, jam engraving, Libraries um, uh, made up of clay tablets where letters were impressed, were collected in even those very early days. Later, the classical Greek period, in that world, they would boast of the great minds of Homer, uh, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and many, many others. The works of Homer and Plato still are studied in our colleges and our universities, and Aristotle's principles of logic are yet to be surpassed. Yet none of these civilizations were able to endure. Each reached a zenith, deteriorated, and then fell to hostile powers. The days of Noah reveal the beginning of this pattern. And so we want to look at Noah from a three vantage points. And we'll see the parallel that runs through human history. Let me read here verse 8. To 22. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the width 50 cubits, the height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing the floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons, wives, with you. Of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. 
They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourselves of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourselves, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded Noah. So he did. Great picture of Noah here that is given to us just before the judgment comes. So we want to look at them to see the parallel from the three vantage points here. First of all, we're going to look at the modern days of Noah. And we're going to kind of just digress a little bit and get a background. And then we're going to look at the mission of Noah that we've read in our text. And then we're going to finish up with the message of Noah. Because Noah's message is for today. Jesus said, like the days of Noah, it is the, one of the key signs for his coming, that we might know the day that we are living in. And we certainly don't want to make light of it, and we certainly don't want to just become Bible encyclopedias, but we want to make sure that what is revealed affects me, and that I know the day that I'm living in. Let's look at the modern days of Noah. The days of Noah were not as primitive as some, of, some people would have us to believe. Uh, if we just back off to chapter 4, uh, verse 17, we see that there was city building going on. It says that Cain knew his wife, and of course, he had to marry his sister. By then, people were on the earth, many, many, many. I'm going to give you some statistics and some conservative estimates. This is kind of parallel to the godly line that we saw in chapter 4, verse 1, with Adam and Eve. Later on in the law, of course... You couldn't marry a sister. You couldn't marry uh, two sisters together. And all the specifics are given way down the road. Right here, we're talking about the beginning of creation. We're talking about um, under the first 2,000 years that is going on here. Now, Enoch was his son, not to be confused, as we say many times, Enoch in the line of uh, Adam. They have two genealogical lines, the godly and the ungodly. Some of the names come up the same, so you want to make sure you track them. Now, conservative estimates of... The population, people often ask me, well, how many people do you think were in Noah's day? Well, Noah was 500 years old when this came to him. So there's still 100 years before it comes, and it was 120 total that we are told. Now, at the time that the flood came was about 1,656 years, and we've seen that before. By that time, conservative estimates would be about 7 billion people. That's an average of six kids per family. That's not far-fetched, Okay. They're living 900, 800, 700, okay? The population today is 6.4 billion. Pretty comparable. People would have us to believe that Noah's days, people were walking around grabbing some chick by the hair and dragging her off to a cave. That's not what it's about. The first thing we see here is city building. City building. He names it after his son. Dedicated is what it means. No longer was man in awe of God's creation, but now he's seeking to awe people in his construction, moving away from God, attempting to immortalize man by putting a name on a building of him. Polygamy, chapter 4, verse 19. Lamech was the grandson of Cain, as you know, of the fourth generation, making him the great, great, great grandson. If you look at verse 16 down to 18. The lineage was of the rebellion, the self-will, source of pride. He's a bigamist. He takes two wives to himself, demonstrating a sensual and selfish love for self. The fallen nature of man. That's the way it always is. If God's love's not there, it's my own love. 
So the practice of polygamy deteriorated from the monogamous institution that God created in chapter 2 for man. We see that today also. All this is going on. Now, thirdly, look at verse 20. Agriculture and livestock. The first wife of, was Adam. He bore Jubal. It means ornament, purdy. Jabal means stream of water. Jabal was the father of those who dwell in tents and had livestock. That's the Bedouin lifestyle, live in tents. Some of you have gone to Israel with us. They have the Bedouins out there. They even have antennas on their tents, <laughs> okay? The government of Israel has made houses for them to move into. They don't want to. They take their sheep and let them go in the house. They live out in the tent. The reference to father is the originator, the founder. This section is to tell you the beginning of everything began with these individuals moving away from God. Music in verse 21, the brother of Jabal was Jubal. Jubal's mother was Adam, but we're not told if she is also uh, the one who bore Jubal, but it seems that she was, and that the second wife is mentioned in the next verse in relationship to her son. Now, Jubal was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute, it says here, a reference against father, the originator, the founder. The word harp is a musical instrument, strum with the hand, called a lyre, L-Y-R-E. David played the harp called the lyre, 1 Samuel 16, 23, and other verses where he would play before Saul and the distressing spirit would leave him. The Psalms refers to the harp 13 times. The flute was a reed pipe or pan pipes. Job says, my harp is turned to mourning and my flute to the voice of those who weep. Job 30, 31. The implication is that it was for festive and joyous occasions. Music, powerful, powerful vehicle. Look at verse 22, metal forging. Look up your history when they say metal began. <laughs> Doesn't correlate with the biblical record. The second wife of Lamech was named Zillah, meaning shade. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, which means you will be brought to possession. Tubal Cain was the instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So some have interpreted it to mean Smith in view of his profession. The intellectual technology of that day was not as primitive as people would have us to think. There's city building, livestock industry, music, forging of metals. But verse 23 through 26, violence. Lamech boasts to his wives about his violence. In verse 23, Adah and Zillah, he calls them and says, Hear my voice, wise of Lamech, listen to my speech. This is called a taunt song. He brags about cleaning a man. He's cruel. He goes beyond the violence of, of, of protection. For I have killed a man for wounding me. He is arrogant, wanting them to know that he was a stronger and capable man, exalting himself, even a young man, for hurting me. Today, there's such brashness, there's such boasting, there's such incredible violence that goes on on every level of society. In verse 24, Lamech declares himself greater than God. He makes himself the authority of his own justice in comparison to Cain's. If Cain be avenged sevenfold, he declares his verdict of vengeance as God did over Cain. Then Lamech, 77-fold. This is the first composed poetry marked by Hebrew parallelism. 
Perhaps the very song is indicative of the coming judgment because it was so violent, it was so corrupt continually. Today, that is the boast of today. Man, his power, his violence, his ability to do what he wants. And as we looked at last time, verse 1 through 7 of chapter 6, you have there uh, genetic engineering or tampering with marriage as God intended it. The race had deviated from that in verse 1 and 2. God declares the spirit would not always strive with man in verse 3. In verse 4, the outcome of these marriages produced fallen mighty men that oppressed the people. And in verse 5, God declared that he saw that how great the wickedness of man was upon the earth. And the intent of his thoughts of his heart were evil continually, literally every day, every day. And so God declares his sorrow having created man in verse 6 and 7, and his grief of heart that now he would destroy both man and beast. The line had been drawn. This is the backdrop. This is the world of Noah. Maybe you've never thought about it this way, but look at all the things that I've just mentioned. You have to be pretty smart to develop, to have these things. In the book, The Decline of the Roman Empire, completed in 1787, Edward Gibbon lists the following reasons for that fall. Listen carefully. First, the rapid increase of divorce, the undermining of dignity and sanctity of the home, which is the basics of human society, he says. Second, higher and higher taxes and the spending of public monies for free bread and circuses for the populace. Entertainment. Three, the mad craze for pleasure, sports becoming every year more exciting and more brutal. Boy, are there parallels here or what? Fourth, the building of gigantic armaments when the real enemy was within the decadence of the people. Fifth, the decay of religion, faith fading into mere form, losing touch with life and becoming impotent to guide the people. The modern-day irreverence towards marriage in the era of no-fault divorce has done more destruction for the American family in this nation than anything else. It has laid an incredible financial burden upon the single mom that most of them live and are forced to live on poverty level. As they have worked together and they get divorced, and now everything is split in half, and each one of them has to give a big chunk to the liar, I mean the lawyer. <laughs> Interesting. It has made child care a national industry, robbing children of natural family love. Jesus said, for this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two should become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. What does man say? We're going to separate this. When I grew up in the 60s, if you were divorced, you didn't say you were divorced. When I grew up in the 60s, People stuck together for the children. Today, that's no good because me is in mine. Since the fall, Satan has taken what God intended for good and used it for evil, and certainly music stands on the top of this list. The lyrics of today's song, particularly rap music, is the most vulgar and offensive, being filled with profanity, explicit sexual statements, violent defiance of authority, and powerful retaliation and violence. Music's a powerful vehicle that influences people more than they understand. 
Think about it. When you're working, music makes the day go by faster. Music has an incredible ability to retain and to recall. You can memorize without even realizing you're memorizing. Boom, the music makes it come, makes it go. It is no wonder that music had its origin in the worship of God and it has its highest form in the worship of God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, you might recall when we studied that. He says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. It's the worship of God. Now, don't get weirded out. Don't get extreme. There's nothing wrong with regular music as long as you're not getting corrupted, it's not vulgar. Nothing wrong with classical music, nothing wrong with some R&B, but when you start getting explicit sex, then that's bad. I love Motown, but there's some songs and very few that are really, I don't listen to those. But I listen to worship music. I know who I serve. But if you're weak in that area, don't listen to it. Listen, when I first came to the Lord, I had all kinds of custom tapes. It was all the A-track. I had four-track. That's how bad it was. Four-track. And I couldn't listen to it. When I got born again, I dumped them all in the trash can. You should have seen those trash guys next Tuesday. Hey, dude, look at this. Look at this one. They, they were, man, they got all kinds of tapes. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the music for years, all right? So you be wise. But don't lay your weakness on somebody else, okay? Be careful. The violence in our world, let alone our nation, is shocking. The agricultural age gave way to the industrial age, which gave way to the technological information age, moving us further and further away from God, even as we see in the days of Noah. In the agricultural wave and age, 85% of people were living in farms and small towns. Now it's the reverse. 85 live in cities, if not more. Amazing. Away from God more and more. We're very violent people. And the greatest violence is no longer in the streets, though it's bad. It's domestically in the home. What wives do to their husbands, husbands to their wives, to their children, children to parents. And we boast about it. The ongoing push for genetic engineering, cloning, is very much a reality to the progressive thinker of today. They believe they are God. They reject the divine creator. They believe that they're in control professing themselves to be wise, they have become fools, as Romans 1.22 says. The modern days of Noah were man-centered. Welcome to America. The world. Now, that's the backdrop. Now we can understand the, the message here, the mission of Noah. Look at verse 8 through 13. The mission of Noah. Noah was to be the consecrated vessel in view of God's judgment. He found grace in God's eyes in verse 8. He was a righteous man, blameless, a man of integrity, walking with God in verse 9. He had three sons. They're given to us in verse 10. And the earth was corrupt before God, filled with violence, verse 11. And then God in verse 12 affirms the corruption of the earth by man corrupting his ways on the earth. Man is responsible for the evil. Everybody wants to blame God. It was man's doing. And in verse 13, God declares his verdict to destroy all of mankind along with the earth. The word earth is mentioned 14 times in chapter 6. 
16 times in chapter 7, 12 times in chapter 8, 12 times in chapter 9, 54 times. You know why? Because God's judgment was upon the earth due to man's sin. The earth and man go together. God made the earth for man. That's why as you continue the history of salvation, you see Israel and the land go together. You cannot separate the Jew from the land. They go together. The geological and fossil record cries out judgment and creation of that judgment. Judgment of that creation. Not evolution. Next time we'll get into all of that stuff. <laughs> Notice verse 14 through 16. Noah was to be the craftsman of the ark, an ark here preparing for the judgment of God. He wasn't a builder. Now stop and think about the, the technology, the understanding you have to have to build an ark. The size of this one we're going to see. You get the specifications here. The ark was to be of gopher wood, whatever that might be. We don't have any idea. Many people will take a shot at it. Whatever it was, it was hard, it was durable, and it worked. The phrase make yourself implies for himself, for the benefit of him. The ark was for the benefit of Noah and those of his family. And the word for make is Asa. It means out of existing material. As you know, we've looked at that before. Noah didn't create out of nothing, out of existing material. And the word for ark is an interesting word. Uh, the word is unique of the flood of Noah. The word is used also one other time, and it's for the little ark that Moses was put in in Exodus 2, 3, and 5, the little basket. Interesting. They both were delivered from the judgment. Noah from the judgment of God and Moses from the judgment of man. Both put in a little ark, same word, both put in the water. <laughs> both deliverers. Interesting. Verse 14, the ark was to have rooms. The word for room literally means nest. Why? Because there will be compartments for the animals. And it's hard for people to believe this. Oh, come on. Yeah, let's come on. The ark was to be covered with pitch inside and out. And the word for pitch is kofar. It means it's the word that's used for atonement in Leviticus 17, 11. I mean, it's a violent flood that's going to come, as we're going to see in next time we look at it. The ark was to have a specific size, verse 15. The measure of a cubit is usually 18 inches, the distance from your middle finger to the elbow. There are other cubits, Assyrian cubits, Babylonian cubits, but usually the 18 inches was accepted, a foot and a half. So the ark was to be 300 cubits long, 450 feet. The ark was to be 50 cubits wide, 75 feet. The ark was to be 30 cubits high, 45 feet high. There you have your dimensions. And then it has some specific items in verse 16. The ark was to have a window 18 inches from the top. You need some ventilation. It's going to be ripe in there, okay? How do you rise it? Up it goes. The ark was to have one door on the side. Interesting. Jesus said that he's the only way. He's the door to the sheepfold. The ark was to have three decks. The volume of this ark comes out to 1,400,000 cubic feet equivalent to 522 
boxcars of a railroad locomotive. This is the modern day advancement in Noah's day. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese with a picture of God's incredible grace in the midst of incredible sin. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging message from the book of Genesis called A Ray of Hope, Noah. And as always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. So the title to ask for once again is A Ray of Hope, Noah. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Does God really expect us to obey all of His laws? Find out what happens when we take God's Word for granted. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 